podcast. Um, I where did you where did you grow up? Are you from Tennessee? No. So I grew up in South Mississippi, a little town called Picayune. Uh, I know Picayune. I think it's like the only place in the world named Picayune. I think it means of little worth. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh-huh. uh, went to uh, went to college at the University of Southern Mississippi, which is about forty five to fifty minutes from from where I grew up, mm-hmm. and uh, spent most of my time there. And 2014 moved to Tennessee. Okay. The first time I went to Mississippi, I was like, yeah, this it was about what I was expecting because there's yeah. not there's not much going no, on at no. all. A few little pockets here and there. That's mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Yeah. We go to every time I'm there, we, we go to Starkville, which is probably yeah. arguably one of the more happening parts of that state. Right. Definitely. And yeah. it's not exactly a metropolis <laughs> no. by, <laughs> by any means, but that's that's yeah. where it's that's where it's going. Yeah. Mississippi uh, State baseball has has done a lot for them. It's seems like it's grown since baseball. Huh? Yeah, yeah, they're a big baseball community. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about college sports. But yeah, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, they're good. Um, did you? Uh, so what did you go to school for? Uh, well, it was construction engineering technology, but construction management. Was it an actual engineering degree or man- no? Management? No, it was it was a uh, bachelor of science degree. Okay, so construction yeah. management. Yeah, so you just learned about kind of the basics <clears throat> project management class estimating yeah. class a lot of scheduling estimating um we had a soils class and mm-hmm. um you know geology you know just that type of stuff we had some vector statics and uh strength of materials you know some engineering classes but it was pretty much the the, the lower tiered engineering classes yeah yeah i used to i took it was engineering mm-hmm. so i'd look at the construction management kids yeah and, and them complaining about the math they had right. to do, and i was just yeah. like come on like yeah my mentor used to call it a votech degree yeah he was a civil engineer but like, <laughs> yeah you guys got that votech degree it's like, yeah i appreciate well that, Josh. but the classes i enjoyed were my construction classes yeah it's like okay finally we get to talk about building things it's practical stuff because yeah. civil engineering mm-hmm. there's nothing about building stuff right you'd think it would be about building yeah. stuff it's not about building stuff yeah it's just about Okay, so this force is applied to this beam. Right. What happens, and how many pieces yeah. of rebar do you need in that beam? It's sure. not about how do we put a bridge together. Right. Uh, how did you end up with studying that? Uh, <laughs> ironically, so you know, my dad. I grew up around construction. My dad was in construction. Uh, he's actually with Rosso. Uh, was with me at Utah as well. Oh, um, I forgot about that. Yeah, and and so I grew up around it, the industry. Uh, you know, odds and end jobs in college. I, I was a poor, you know, kid from South Mississippi, so I had to put my way through college. And, um, you know, construction is the jobs that everybody does at that age. And hmm. um, I just really enjoyed it. And um, I went to community college first and kind of ran out of basic courses that I could take. And so I started, still didn't know what I wanted to do and still really couldn't afford to go on to Southern Miss yet. I was still saving some some money. And um, I started taking some, uh, there was a cost estimation class and the, the literal VOTEC of the, of the uh, community college. And I realized I was really good at it, you know, mm-hmm. compared to the other kids in the class, I was, I was picking it up quick and, uh, really enjoyed it. And, um, and so when I went on to Southern Miss, I was, I was wanting to do coaching in sports administration, um, got there and started going through Southern Miss had a, a manual at the time and you could read the different classes and see what or read the different programs and, and see the different classes and I noticed that there was one called construction engineering technology 
started looking through and saw cost estimating, scheduling, all those things. And I said, you know what, I think that might fit. So I switched it that day and went to orientation as a construction engineering major instead of a uh, uh, coaching and sports admin major. So you, you, you grew up around the industry, but you were not going to go no. into the industry as a career? No. Wow. I know. Why, why not? I guess I just didn't, I never saw the path really. I never saw it as a, you know, back then, you know, it was, you, you, you want to go to school so that, you know, you don't do a construction job and dig ditches every day. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see it as what it, what it could be. And, um, just kind of fortunately fell into that, into that path. What does your, what does your dad do? So he's a utility superintendent. Okay. Um, he was always in utilities and, um, I started out of college in 2006 and he came on as a superintendent with my former uh, company in 2006 as well and and then about a year ago or I guess no about six months ago four months ago um, I told him we needed some help over at Rosso and he he came and joined us over there as well oh so he let you go over there first to yeah to feel test, it out, test huh? the waters yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he really didn't want to come he, he wanted to retire uh, he was getting he's mm-hmm. very close to retirement age and he was just going to finish up his days there and and uh I, you know, I hated to ask him. I was like, man, we need you. Uh, you know, Keith is doing a great job with the, on the grading side. We need some more experience on the utility side because sure. utilities are, are the tough thing to do right now. Pipe is, is easy to screw up. Yes. And when you screw it up. It's very costly. Yikes. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. yeah. And, and you oftentimes don't realize you, you screwed it up until it's all. Right buttoned up and exactly. then you realize you screwed up so now it all comes back exactly oh. asphalt and everything else has to come out first uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah 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 dirt you can kind of figure it out a little quicker mm-hmm. but pipes yeah. a little bit more permanent yeah uh have you ever worked with, with your dad yeah i have how does uh, that go uh really well actually he you know he's he's pretty hard on everybody he's yeah. hard on me um but no we we it's it's actually probably i would say uh, helped our relationship. We weren't very close growing up. He was working all the time. Mm-hmm. My parents divorced when I was three. So I grew up with my mom, would see my dad, you know, every other weekend. And, um, you know, we, we would hunt and fish and, and things like that, but we really just didn't have a close connection. Mm-hmm. And so the work really kind of brought us together because we were, you know, having to figure it out, you know, together as a team. And so we've probably, you know, when we go to Sunday dinners, we typically talk about work, and you yeah, know, we go over for Christmas. We typically talk about work, and it's just what we enjoy doing together. Yeah. Um, so he, your your mom was the one raising you. Yeah. He wasn't. He wasn't around raising you as much. Did you get the? Where did you get the work ethic from? Well, I got it from him actually. So interesting story. So I lived with my mom until I was in tenth grade, and I was a screw up. You know, I was yeah. I was the hangout guy, you know, having fun every weekend, didn't really have a, a, a work gene in my body. And uh, I remember I got a, a job at Jitney Jungle Grocery Store. Nice. And my mom was, she, it was like a community grocery store and she was friends with the manager and, you know, she would go in and talk to everybody. And uh, I worked there for about two months and I hated it. And then baseball season started and I quit my job and I told her I quit it, and, and she said, why did you quit? And I said, well, because baseball season starting. I've got to play baseball. So well, you can work the schedule around baseball schedule, you know. Mm-hmm. I said, no, nah, I really just need to play baseball. You know, I need to focus on my on my athleticism, mm-hmm. you know. And, and she was like, oh, bull crap. You get down there and, you you know, you get your job back. And, and so it was one of those things where, no, I'll just go live with Dad. If you're going to make me work, I'll just uh-huh. go live with Dad, you know, thinking that was going to be the answer to everything. And so <laughs> – 
10th grade, I moved to, to Picayune, Mississippi. I was actually living in Laurel at the time. Uh, Mom lived in Laurel. And I moved to Picayune, and, of course, that's the day my world changed because Dad was, no, you're not going to sit around the house. You're going to work. Dang, so um, in 10th grade, mm-hmm. you were like, I'm moving. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's different. Yeah. It turned out to be great, though. Was it, your mom like, Okay. Yeah, she pretty much was. Yeah, she was like, fine, do it. She, I don't think she thought, I, I don't know that she thought I was going to go through with it. Uh, and then it was one of those things where I really went through with it and, you know, rest is history. So you, you moved in with your dad to work less, but it went the other direction. Yes, yeah. Uh. Especially when, so I moved in, I think it was November. And so so close to the end of the school year and something to do with the credit system between the school in Laurel and the school in Picayune. They said, look, just don't come back the rest of the semester. You'll start January 1st, you know, because mm-hmm. we're about to break for Christmas. And I'm thinking, this is great. I'll hunt all day, you know, hang out at night. You know, this will be great. And so, like, the first day, my dad's like, no, nah, you get up. You're coming to work with me. He was uh, clearing land at the time. And uh, so he, you know, grew up around excavators. And so I would have to grease the tracks on the track hoe. Uh, I'd do that first thing. At, at, you know, we get there about 6, and I would do that. Once I greased all the equipment, then my job was I would go split firewood all day. Dang. And I would come home with a load of firewood every every evening and unload the truck, get up the next morning, do it all over again. And so, which is a good thing because I think the my first semester of, of 10th grade, I, I needed gas money for something. And mm-hmm. I don't know, we there was some homecoming dance or something. He, he had given me some money. Uh, the Friday night, you know, here's here's your $60 for the weekend, you know. Well, I mean, if you've ever taken a girl to a homecoming dance, I mean, you got to buy pictures and the corsage and oh, yeah. dinner. And so my 60 bucks was blown. And I remember going to him on Sunday night and saying, hey, Dad, can I get a little bit more money? I need some gas for to get to school tomorrow. He said, well, I gave you $60 Friday night. And I said, well, Dad, I, you know, I had this dance and I spent all this money. He's like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and he said, no, I can tell you, go, go out there and sell some of that firewood. So course i'm on the phone you know calling all the neighbors seeing uh-huh. who needs firewood and was actually down at the bottom of the hill splitting some more firewood to sell to, to be able to get gas the next day there's there's a lot to that someone asked me about it the other day i think it was on a podcast and they're like how'd you how'd you kind of get this mentality and i think a lot of it was my my parents i screwed up mm-hmm. and my parents were like okay yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, 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 what do you want us to do? And yeah. and they just they kind of let me fail, sure, and then let me figure it out. Yeah. Not oh oh goodness, you, right? You 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 need more money? Here right. you go, right? Because that's a lot of parenting now is sure. Oh no no no, sure. or or even let's prevent them from even failing in the first place, right? And there's no adversity whatsoever, yeah. And then they get into reality, which doesn't care about anybody, right? And they get their asses beat, yeah. Um, but I think that's valuable when parents don't save the day. Yeah, I agree. Because then you have to get creative. Sure. It's like, well, shoot, now that that option's exhausted, I better go split some firewood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. That's pretty neat. Yeah. It, was, it all worked out pretty well. When when you were living with him, was he still traveling for work or was he lo- working locally? He, he did when I first moved in. Um, so there's a company out of North Mississippi and and – um, he, he worked for that company for a little while, so he would travel. Uh, but for the most part, he was at home. Yeah. So you go to school, you end up in construction. Mm-hmm. Um, when you uh, get to graduation, where do you go to work? 
Well, actually, before graduation. So um, I, about a year before I graduated, um, needed needed work. I was I was doing some residential home building, and uh, the builder that I was working for it was kind of in a transition between finishing one and starting another, and um, so it was going to be a few months of of no work and. Uh, so I, I got on the construction forum and I saw this company called Utah Construction uh, was hiring, looking for an intern. And so I, my dream job was Brassville and Gorey. Mm. You know, they would come to the college all the time. GC, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, didn't know anything. Didn't yeah. know any better. And uh, and and so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm meeting with Brassfield every time they come to the to the school and and looking for internship opportunities and things like that. And um, I actually had an internship kind of lined up for the sum for that summer, and this was in January, but I needed something part time till then. And so I saw this ad. I called this guy who ended up being my mentor, Josh Josh Layton, and I call him, and he's telling me about what Utah does, and it's dirt, and you know he he's the division manager of the utilities division. He's talking about you know large diameter pipe and all this, and it's none of this is appealing at all to me at this yeah, point. Yeah. And, you know, I even turned him down right there. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I was actually looking for some, some vertical experience. You know, uh, I want to build, you know, buildings and skyscrapers and things like that. And, and, and he's a – Josh is a very confident guy, um, the nice way to put it. Borderline arrogant at times, you know, um, which you, you got to be to yeah. be successful in yeah. this world. Yeah, you need a little bit of that. And, um, and it offended him because he's just not used to rejection. And, and so, of course, then it became a cat and mouse game. Like, mm. why don't you just come try it? You know, just come give it 30 days and see what you see if you like it. If you don't like it, then we'll, we'll do something different then. And, and I did, and I absolutely fell in love with it. You know, the equipment, uh, you know, just everything about it, the civil industry, I fell in love with. And yeah. So that was, um, that was in January of 2006 as a college intern. In May of 2006, um, I'll never forget, he was on the phone with our president at the time, the founder, Tom Elmore, and Tom was just kind of doing his weekly check-in, and he asked, he said, well, how's your new guy doing? Because at the time, it was just Josh, myself, and Debbie. We had a receptionist who was also Josh's mom. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and you know, Utah at that time was a $85 million-a-year contractor, but we had this little satellite office that was a outbuilding out beside his house. Mm-hmm. It was like a garage, a detached garage. And uh, so Tom calls Josh, how's your new guy doing? I mean, he's doing great. We're about to lose him this summer. He's going to go to Brassville and Gorey. And, and Tom says, what do you mean you're going to lose him? He said, well, he's, he's going to Brassville and Gorey. Well, hell, hire him. And uh, Josh said, well, well, Tommy doesn't have a degree yet. He doesn't graduate till December. I don't give a shit. Hire him. Hell, we'll pay for the rest of his school. You know, so Josh turned to me and he said, you know, would you would you consider that? And I said, well, look, man, I'm getting married in October. You know, it would have to be a, a legitimate salary because I can't, because I was going to have to delay my graduation. And I was ex- expecting to graduate in December. And he said, no, we'll give you a full salary. We'll pay you just like you're full-time, go to, go to school part-time. And delay your graduation a little bit and we'll pay for the rest of your school pay for your books and wow yeah the rest is history so i didn't know you started out with utah yeah yeah i was there for 17 years 17 yeah holy smokes or maybe 16 it was going on 17 the and the interesting thing about studying construction in school is that it's really all geared towards gcs or residential construction Right. right home builders yeah because they're the ones that pay all the money. That's right. For all the schools. Yeah. And uh, the miraculously, donations. yeah, miraculously, then the schools, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll send you all the graduates. Right. 
and the civil industry is kind of left in the dust a little yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty unique. It's not unique anymore, but mm-hmm. it's the minority by far sure. to go into civil out of out of college starting yeah. construction. Definitely. Yeah. Um, it certainly helped with the classes too, because I mean, I was getting real life, you know, hands-on experience as a full-time employee. And yeah. I'm in a class of kids learning how to do, you know, estimate and schedule when I'm doing it in real life. And so it well, really gave me a, an advantage. That That was really frustrating for me. Yeah. Because it was, you know, I'd be sitting in heavy equipment class okay. learning about scraper cycle times yeah. when it's, you know, I was helping helping run a 627 spread yeah. all, all summer long. Yeah. And you're like, well, I mean, it kind of works that way, but also not yeah. at all. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could pencil this out on paper all yeah. day long, but that's not yeah. how we You find yourself works. correcting the teacher. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, and you do that <laughs> one too many times and you learn, it's like, ah, it's probably not the best strategy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would drive me nuts cause I would be like, I would, once I've, I've, I found the field early. So mm-hmm. I was 18 going into college in oh, the okay. field laying pipe uh-huh. and I, all I wanted to do was just go back, you know, go, go back out there and start digging yeah. holes again and laying pipe and being yeah. with the guys. And I was stuck doing these math classes right. about construction mm-hmm. and then especially estimating class, but mm-hmm. estimating how to build a side of a building that I didn't give a shit about. Right. And it's yeah. like, can I Count just go bricks. back? Yeah. yeah, I just, I want to go move dirt. Yeah. So it, it drove me nuts, but it was a good lesson in patience. Yeah, it's good. So you start like kind of field engineer, project engineer, it, it, whatever it you need to do. Project administrator. Um, and, and I did a, I learned how to estimate uh, first, which I know a lot of guys go out in the field first. And, and that's what Josh wanted for me as well. But with me being tied to school, a lot of our projects were, we had a big sewer project in Memphis, Tennessee. We had uh, projects in Covington, Louisiana, just all over. So I had to be kind of close to the office so that I could still go to school, you know, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I missed a little bit of that field experience early on. But, you know, he taught me the right way to estimate. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I've always had an affirmation for, for that and, and have enjoyed that, that side of things. Uh, especially when I did get some time to spend out in the field and, and really put the two together, it, it really helped. I feel like that's key, mm-hmm. but I feel like, I don't feel like many people are good at both things. I feel like you're either really good at the field or really good at the office side of things. I would agree. I feel like it's good to have an understanding, yeah. Yeah. but most it's typically you're one or the other and yeah. it's like stay in that lane and let right the other people do yeah. the other lane. I struggle in the field. Yeah. Um, I'm good at the team building, the collaboration, the coordination with the owner. Um, but like, I, I have to have that Keith McBride, uh, mm-hmm. with me that, that, okay, Keith, what if we did it like this? Would that work? I can price that up for you. And, you know, so it, that, that field level experience, um, is something that I, I think I was always short on. And there, there is a lot of value to experience in the field because mm-hmm. there's so many different ways of building things. Right. So you have a guy like Keith that's been done, that's been doing it for decades right. and decades and decades. Right. He just has a lot of data. That's right. So he yeah. can, you can tell him, well, could we build it that way? And mm-hmm. he's like, I've tried that and it didn't, yeah. it didn't work. So yeah. this is how we would do it. Oh, okay. Check. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a young guy, you just, you don't have the data. Right. Yeah. Um, so when you were there with Utah, Utah grew significantly. Because Utah is a big company nowadays. Well, it went from about 85 when I started in 2006 to probably 140, 150. Uh, they were about 145 when I left. Really? Yeah. 
I feel it like they're bigger. Feels like it, I know. Dude, but they're all over the place. I know. Yeah. They're just spread very, very far and wide. I guess they are spread yeah. out. Yeah. It's, it's a project here, a project there, but not, you know, like you see in Nashville where, I mean, I had by far the most projects on my under my region, uh, and I think we had like eight to ten at any given time. Really? Uh, whereas the other two groups would have three or four tops. Was the airport runway? Uh, no, that area? was actually Lane Williams, so that was part of his group because uh. – I guess probably, I don't know, it was probably about 2015. We were just kind of getting off the ground here in Nashville. And uh, a runway came out in Knoxville, or actually going back to 2012 when the economy tanked. Lane and I went to school together, um, and we were both in our utilities division. When the economy tanked, utilities dried up significantly. And so we had to kind of, we had to mm. kind of figure out how to, how to eat, you know. Um, so I kind of went the earthwork route. Lane bid a, uh, a runway rehab project in Columbus, Mississippi, and they got it. And so he developed some airfield experience. Hmm. So when a project came out in Knoxville back in 2015, it made more sense for him at that time to do it. And so he really just built a team of people that chased that airfield work. And, and so that kind of fell into his niche. And an airfield, one, you got to travel, obviously. Yeah. There's only so many runways right. in any given area. Right. And it's it's hard to get one of those projects mm -hmm. but then once you get one or two or three yeah now you have the resume that right that you need mm -hmm. to even bid like a bna for example yeah they're not just going to put that out for bid That's oh right. yeah if yeah. you can put concrete on the ground feel yeah. free to give us a number it doesn't work that way yeah. it's like we need x amount of runway projects yeah. in the past five years or whatever yeah. it is they want the right companies yeah, yeah for, for you sure. to even be in the door yeah um, but that was a fascinating one because they, mm -hmm. you know, they, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but they accelerated that a little bit and pushed it up because COVID yeah, pushed not, traffic through the, through the floor. Yeah. And they're like, well, might as well tear up one of our runways and yeah. repave it. Maybe so. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not <clears throat> sure. I just landed on it the other day. I was like, that's a good looking yeah. runway. Yeah. yeah. So they did a nice job. Well, good. Um, so you, with Utah, they put you up here in Tennessee to grow their presence up here? That's correct. Yeah, 2014, um, I'm still in our utilities division. We're bidding a $150 million or ended up being $130 million um, utility rehab project down on Gulf Coast, Mississippi. Jeez. And the plan was, I was the lead estimator, the plan was if we got that project, I was going to move an hour south to the, co to the coast and manage that project. So I kind of already had in my mindset – I'm about to move. Um, you know, if we get this project, we're moving. And and uh, we didn't get it. We ended up second on the project. Um, and the day after, I got a call from our president and said, man, it's a tough bid. You guys did a good job. Uh, how do you feel about Nashville, Tennessee? And I said, never been. And he said, well, you know, we, we just picked up this project up in Clarksville. Hmm. And it, we picked up the hand-cooked tire job that was bid out of out of our Madison office or Jackson office. And um you know, we would like you to go up there and manage it and then open up an office, at, you know, up there and start growing some work in that area. And he said, take your wife up there and, and wine her and dine her, take her to the Omni and see mm -hmm. Nashville. And, yeah. you know, y'all stay at the Omni. Well, I got Omni and Opryland Hotel mixed up. Oh. 
And so I booked the wrong hotel. Yeah. So here, it's a big difference. Yeah, a big huge difference. difference. So it's it's my wife and I going out a, a weekend <laughs> out on the town at the Opryland with a bunch of senior <laughs> citizens. So, uh, but now we had a good time and and just really loved seeing the area. And back then, I mean, it looked completely different than what it does now. But uh, we fell in love with it and started coming up. And and my wife fell in love with downtown Franklin, and we moved there. I worked out of my home office for probably mm-hmm. a year, maybe six months. Um, until we wrapped up Hancock Tire, I had a project engineer that was in a, in a site trailer, and I would just travel up there, you know, three or four times a week. And um, when that job started dying down, he came in, he was in my dining room while I was in my home office. So uh, after a while, I was like, okay, we got to get a, we got to get a space. And mm-hmm. we, we got an office in downtown Franklin and quickly outgrew that. And then uh, bought a, bought a building in Franklin and um when i left it was it was pretty full really yeah do you guys is there is there a lot of work in nashville that you guys or i guess utah does i feel like utah's just so spread out well we were doing mazda toyota that was yeah mazda toyota yeah um yeah and and that's and that's why i I mean essentially i'm at rosso now i mean it just the business model that utah has it didn't fit what i was sent up here to build you know what i was Mm -hmm. sent up here to build was hey we need a local presence somewhere Mm -hmm. We need a we need a home base, and then we can use that home base to to cultivate the machine. And then when we have these big home run hitters, we can we can pull from the from the machine and go go build mm-hmm. them, and then come back. and And it just it, they're such a they're built to be a nomadic company. They've always been a nomadic company. Yeah. And so it, it'd be like trying to take a keyword and and put them in one spot and say you can't go anywhere but this spot. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's essentially what we did. We hired a bunch of people and said, hey, we're going to be right here in Nashville. And, and really the traveling model is, is what works at Utah, not the, the local bill. Yeah, it's always funny to see Kiwit trying to establish like a local mm-hmm. presence. And they'll be just, they'll, they'll be bidding these jobs. Yeah. Like an $8 million job. And you'll see right. Kiwit there. You're like, or a $700,000 bridge job. What, you what, know? what yeah. are you guys doing here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. like, go play in the billion dollar plus yeah. market. Like, stop, yeah. right. stop trying to bid this. Right, because it's not economical for sure. them. They're built yeah. to, yeah, you know, pursue the mm-hmm. and do better than anybody else. The billion dollar, right. you know, five hundred right. million, billion, five mm-hmm. billion dollar projects. Yeah, it just doesn't yeah. work. You got to know what works and what you're good at, and yeah. and stick with it. Yeah. Were you were you involved in Mazda Toyota at all, or was I that was not? No, that was Jonathan Huss. Uh, that, that was his group. That was a monster. Job. It was, yeah. Because I, I only know about that one through Reed. Right. Yeah. Because I talked to Mike Reed about that a lot. Mm-hmm. He, they were super proud about what they did out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of dirt. They, they did a good job. Yeah. I think they got up to 117,000 yards in one day. Whoa. The entire team, you know, Reed yeah. and, and, and us included. Yeah. That's a monster yeah. day on a site work project. It is. Shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. <clears throat> as we've alluded to, you're with Rosso now. Mm -hmm. So the change was kind of do what you intended to do before. Sure. Yeah. Focused on building a business that's focused on intently on one region and kind of growing it from there. Yeah. You know that, but mainly more just Dylan and I, we, we have a very similar outlook on vision Mm -hmm. and values of, of the two companies that we were trying to build. And, I met Dylan in 2004 or no 2000 probably 2018 at a road builders convention and I think it was the first one they had gone to and and um I'm a social guy whereas you know Dylan and, and Sean are not or mm-hmm. somewhat reserved yeah 
and I'm right alongside them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, so of course I see these new faces and, and we go over and we start talking and I'm asking them about their company and who they are. And, um, you know, we just had a really good time hanging out and I really enjoyed, you know, just learning about his, his business and, and, uh, and kind of his, his vision. And, um, it was very similar to mine for, for my division here at, at Utah. And, um, and so we've just, I've always been attracted to what they were doing, what they were building. I've watched their social media presence and just been really proud of them, sure. of what they've been able to do. And, um, and so we, Dylan and I would just kind of keep tabs and, and he would reach out every now and then. And if you know Dylan well, you know, he's persistent mm-hmm. and he would just subtly, Hey man, let's grab lunch. And it wouldn't be an agenda, but it would turn into, a. a my wife pointed this out to me. He was leading me three or four years ago. Um, he was he was pouring into me as a leader, encouraging me to read certain books. He introduced me to Extreme Ownership and, mm-hmm. and all those books. And um, and and looking back on it now, I see it with personal or, or, or uh, perfect clarity. But back then, I didn't I didn't realize what he was doing, and I don't even know that he realizes what he was doing. But he was really building uh, a great executive to come join his team one day. Sure. And um, and so I owe a lot of my personal growth uh, from, from a business perspective, especially to, to Dylan. I, I feel like that's key. I mean, that's what I do. It's never with an agenda, mm-hmm. but it's always, you're always just looking for great human beings yeah. and you're always planting seeds yep. and you're always selling the vision. Absolutely. Sell yeah. it, sell it, sell it, sell it, sell it. Yeah. And you, it's funny who you absorb through the mm-hmm. process. Yeah. Even if you weren't intending to do so, you're still right. always always on the lookout for great people yeah. and always planting seeds. Yeah. Um, and it, so, uh, what you talked about the vision, like what, what is the vision? What does that look like? The people, you know, it's not, it's not the construction. It's, it's about creating an environment to cultivate better people, you know, surrounding yourself with good humans. And, um, it, it, you know, I think so many companies, they, they solely focus on the work and that's just not why I feel like God put me on this planet, you Mm -hmm. know, to figure out how to build a, how to move more than 117,000 yards in one day, you know, no. Now creating a a team of people who against all odds accomplish a feat together Mm -hmm. and they, and, and what they gain out of that is that camaraderie and, and caring for one another because they moved 117,000 yards together, hey, I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. I can get down on that. Um, and, and so that's, that's what I've noticed about Dylan. It's, 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 about, it's a people-centric environment, um, and that's, that's kind of the environment that I've always fostered as well. Yeah, well, nothing, nothing gets built without people. Yeah. And I feel like you can have two mindsets towards people. One, they're... Uh, they're just kind of a reality of building things. Like you just have to deal mm-hmm. with people, but mm-hmm. the fun is the moving the dirt part. Like right. just, let's just build stuff. But yeah, I know we have to deal with people or the other way around. It's like, let's just build as many great people as we can. And mm-hmm. then we're as a result going to be able to create and build really yeah. cool things right. and pull projects together. Mm-hmm. It's two schools of thought. The norm is typically the first school of thought right. based on my observation mm-hmm. is really like people are just kind of there. And mm-hmm. even if companies say that's not the case, mm-hmm. and even if they don't intend for that to be right. the case, you can just look at even their investment yeah, and how much money they spend on 
technology and on maintaining equipment and right. on this and on that. But then when mm-hmm. it comes to people, okay, great. Your, your, your number one problem is workforce development. So how much are you spending on workforce yeah. development? Right. Do you have a full-time recruiter? Mm-hmm. Do you, do you go beyond just compliance from an HR standpoint? Do you have someone training? Mm-hmm. Do you have any investment in training whatsoever? Have you talked yeah. about leadership at all? If you're not making any of those investments, then you don't, that's really not a priority. It's right. clearly not a priority right. just based on action. Mm-hmm. You can, that's pretty simple to see. Yeah. So, and you can answer yes to all those things for also. Yeah, you know, uh, absolutely. The money yeah. is spent in, in those areas mm-hmm. and you've got these companies. Now it's getting their attention because we're in such a hiring crunch and now, you know, people are panicking and, but people have been bitching about the same problem for six years, just not doing anything about it. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that's was, was refreshing to see Dylan and Sean and, and Keith doing something about it a long time ago. I mean, social media is the start of it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where, that's what kids are looking at nowadays. You know, that's where they're figuring out who they want to go work for. And, um, you know, some companies get it. Yeah. And I, yeah, people ask, well, are you going into classrooms? And I, I've always had a problem with that question. Cause it's like, well, I don't, I don't know if I need to, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's impactful. And yeah, I want to get as many people, as many kids in the seat of a three or four excavators I can, mm-hmm. that would obviously be a great workforce development strategy, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's not scalable. What right. is scalable? I can tell stories on the internet where every kid in the world is right now right? and let it work out from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's working out so far. Yeah. Uh, when did you join Rosso? How long have you been there? Uh, I've been there a while. November. So it was about six months. Yeah. Yeah. Six or seven months. Yeah. Cause I, when I was out there, I feel like you were pretty new. Yeah. Yeah. So we moved in the office end of November. I think I started November 15th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I came there right when you guys moved into the new That's office. That's right. Check it out mm-hmm. before I rolled my skits here out there. <laughs> um, how was that? How was that transition? It's, it's good. Uh, it took me a little while to, you know, to figure, figure out where the bathrooms were, you know, uh, after being with a company for 16, 17 years, you, you know, you, you know, that process very well. And so when you're, when you're, you come into a different company, you know, you, you have to kind of figure out how the processes are different. Uh, oddly enough, though, there, we have a lot of similarities between what I was accustomed to and, you know, all the same cost accounting software, same mm-hmm. estimating softwares, scheduling softwares, you know, things like that. So um, it's, it's been good. It's, um, I, I think, I mean, you know, Dylan may You're say differently, here. but yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm still here. You got yeah. paid this week. Probably, yeah, exactly. So yeah. There you yeah. Go. No, I, I've, the biggest thing I've noticed, and I think a lot of it is, is probably the office change has is, is got a lot to do with it. But, you know, my perspective of Rosso when I first got there was everyone was very reserved, um, very quiet, just kind of stayed to themselves. I didn't hear a lot of whistling down the hallways and mm-hmm. laughing and carrying on. And now it's very much like very collaborative. Um, people seem happy. Um, you know, people are, you know, um, saying good morning, you know, things yeah. like that. And that, I, I, I think a lot of that has to do with me. That's my, my disposition is very sunny and, you know, I'm going to get people joking around and laughing and, sure. and kind of get them out of their shell a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Dylan, Sean, like you said, pretty reserved. Mm-hmm. Keith, super reserved. Yeah. I always joke, he's like a mm-hmm. snow leopard. Yeah. You, like, and especially every time we pull a camera out, Keith just <laughs> fucking gone. <laughs> he locks up. <laughs> yeah, he's not about it. I took yeah. his picture once, and that not was a it. hell of a victory. Yeah. But I yeah. got him on camera he, one time. He's such a humble guy, man. He doesn't want to be in the spotlight yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's also the problem. It's like yeah, you, you know, need we, him. Yeah. We can't inspire the next generation without telling the stories, yeah. and those are the stories we need to tell most. Are yeah. those guys that just live and breathe this shit? Yeah. Like a Keith. I mean. Yeah. That guy can build, man. Right. Um, can you talk about the office? You said it's changed things a little bit. How has it mm-hmm. changed things? Because isn't an office just overhead? Um, it's a leading question. <laughs> yeah. There's a sense of purpose. There it, there were some, some positions that felt like, well, I've just got to process this paperwork and that's, that's my job, you mm-hmm. know. No, 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 no. Your job is so much more than that. You know, you can, you know, you're a leader. You know, you are a leader in this company and, and your actions, um, they're felt out there in the field. They're felt with those guys that are out there in 98 degree weather, you know, working their asses off, sweating every day. And so, you know, your job is, yes, you have to, this paperwork is part of your job, uh, but your job is to go out there and lead and inspire and support you know, get two weeks out ahead of those guys and, and see what their hurdles are going to be and 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 kind of solve those problems for them before they ever become a fire for them. Mm-hmm. And and so just, you know, just getting the, the, the team to, to realize that they're not just an overhead. They are they are an integral part of what we do. Um, and, and I think that's starting to, to happen a lot more and more. It's becoming more and more prevalent. Yeah. Well, and it's a symbiotic relationship sure Mm -hmm. the people out in the field they're the ones that make the money Mm because they're those are the only billable line items on a project right you don't also have hr and admin and those are not line items on a bid as far as the bids i've seen right you have an overhead line Mm -hmm. item but no it's all laying pipe moving dirt pouring concrete but those people could not build anything out in the field Mm -hmm. without the people around them, supporting them from sure. a permit standpoint, from a yeah. SWIP standpoint and mm-hmm. s- submitting pay apps and, mm-hmm. and, and estimating and, and all of that yeah. is essential, it, yeah. you know, paying sure. people. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of infrastructure mm-hmm. that's never seen at a construction company that makes a construction company work. Right. It's all, it's all essential. Mm-hmm. It's all essential. Yeah. It's, it's one big team. And, yeah. and that's what I've, I've tried to always teach and foster is, you know, we're a baseball team and, you know, the players on the field are the ones that are, that are actually getting the scoreboard, you know? Um, but without the bus driver that got them to the game, they didn't get there. Mm-hmm. Um, without the, the ticket sales, without the concession sales, you know, then they don't, they don't get paid that Friday, mm-hmm. you know? Um, or they probably get paid, you know, differently, not every Friday, but, yeah. uh, you know, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, we're just, we're, it's all one big team and it takes the entire team to get things done. And, and, um, that's just kind of always the environment that I've always tried to, to foster. Hmm. What you said, uh, Rosso's investing a lot in people. What are the specific things you guys are doing from a investment standpoint in people? How are you doing it differently? Well, um, one Kim Lush. I don't know if you've met her yet or not, but she's she's now our cultural cultural relations manager. Wow, uh, she has done. Title. She was a I know right. She picked it. Um, she was a project administrator, doing a great job as a project administrator. But she just really understands people, hmm. um, and so we've kind of put her in this role. And, you know, she's, she's basically our, our director of HR, um, but she does a really good job of doing cookouts. And, I mean, we're having the third quarter Rosso rendezvous tomorrow or second quarter. Yeah. 
second quarter. Mm-hmm. We're also rendezvous tomorrow where every person in the company, all 130 people, will come to the headquarters and we're going to barbecue tomorrow afternoon. You know, Sweet. we're going to sit out there and flip burgers and, and hang out and, um, you know, just so, so that's, that's obviously, you know, to engage the culture of the people that are already on the bus. Uh, we want to keep them engaged and we share the vision. We, we had a, uh, a Q1, uh, Rosso, Rosso rendezvous where we basically put the 10 year plan up on the board for everybody to see, Hey guys, this is where mm-hmm. we're headed. This is our ideal client. This is the, the markets that we want to pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want them to be a part of that journey. And, and, and more importantly, the ones that don't want to be a part of that journey, we want to let you know, this is where we're going. This is who we want to be. And if you don't like it, that's okay. There's probably a company out there for you. Um, but this is who that we, you know, we as a company want to be. And so, uh, you know, little things like that. Um, we have a simulator, which, I mean, everybody has a simulator nowadays, but um, Keith Keith pretty much mandates that on rain days, we bring those people into the office and you've got those, you know, class D and class C operators where it's, hey, spend some time on the simulator, you know, mm-hmm. spend some time with, with Dylan, not Dylan Stevens, but uh, Dylan McBride and, and let him coach you on how to run this excavator or dozer or loader or whatever. Um, so really just invest in those people, you know, um, spend some time with them, uh, teaching them how to track quantities and, and the importance of why we track quantities. Mm-hmm. And, and what we've found is, you know, those guys that don't, that have never been taught that, they realize that, hey, I'm not just running a shovel out here. I'm actually, there's a sense of purpose here. You know, if I keep up with these quantities and I tell the guys back in the office how much I, you know, how much, how many cubic yards I shoveled here, not really cubic yards, but, yeah. you know, then they can take that and apply that to the cost and see, are we making money or losing money? How can we get more competitive on future bids? And, and so they, they start understanding the why behind everything we do. And I think it's just investing in them. And, and they realize that, hey, these guys actually care about me. They want me to grow. They're telling me what I need to learn to grow. So. Uh, one, if you're shoveling cubic yards, there's a problem somewhere. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. God bless anybody shoveling cubic yards. Yeah. Um, but but two yeah that, that there's so there's so many people in the dark mm-hmm. oh they're just a laborer oh they're just a pipe player. oh right. they're just an operator that's not their job their right. job is to move dirt well yeah but if they understood materials mm-hmm. quantities yeah. schedules how an estimate comes together they can be a hell of a lot more effective and they can think for themselves yeah. yes. you don't have to tell them they don't have to be robots meaning yeah. they can say wait a minute I understand they need this information for a reason. You know, I better let them know that this just changed here because mm-hmm. they're going to need to know that because if I don't if I don't let them know, they're not going to know that and then the cost is not going to be right. So, you know, they understand. They, they start thinking for themselves and, mm-hmm. and really start molding into a foreman is what well, happens. And then amazingly enough, now the foreman isn't uh, just babysitting Correct. all day and making decisions for his people all day. Yeah. So they can stand back and look at the bigger picture exactly. and maybe think about, well, what's coming next? Week? That's right. And we how's got, this thing coming together? Exactly. And, hey, we got rain coming up. Maybe we should, maybe we should button this up over here before it all gets messed up. Right. And you can be a lot more proactive yeah. and you can actually be a foreman. A That's foreman's right. job is to lead, not to babysit. Correct. But so many people are just mm-hmm. out there. Boss, what, you know, what next, what next, <laughs> yeah. what next? Oh yeah. 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 It's this, it's this, it's this, it's this, it's mm-hmm. this. And they don't actually lead. Right. They yep. just manage. Yep. Hmm. It's pretty cool what you guys have, have come together. It, it's been fun for me because I got involved in Rosso in 2018. Okay. 
So I've been in, involved in the company for four years, mm-hmm. which they got started, I believe, in 2012. 2012, yeah. It's 10 years old. Mm-hmm. So I've seen, and, and when I when I came in the door, six years, still a pretty small outfit. Yeah. The, their big job was a elementary school mm-hmm. grading job at the time, which was sizable, but they had mm-hmm. you know, two excavators and a dozer and right. a loader. And mm-hmm. it was, it was their, you know, the big deal at the time, but now yeah. it's, it's a whole different ball game. That's yeah. been fun to watch mm-hmm. where they started when I came in the door versus where they're at, where, where you're at now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's exciting. Yeah. It's working. Sure. Yep. Like you can't argue with the results. It's right. just right in front of you. You're like, yeah, there's some merit to investing your people because it yeah. seems to be working okay. Yeah. Um, what's what's the future look like for Rosso? What's that that future vision? Well, I think it's, um, well, I mean, you know, legitimately it is defining who we are, who we want to be, uh, which is, I, I, I say it and I even said it in my division at Utah and people always roll their eyes and laugh at me, but it's the Chick-fil-A, the construction industry. You know, we, we're not going to always be the cheapest. Uh, Popeye's has good chicken, but it's going to be a little bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. But you better get ready for your service to be a little bit slower. You're going to be probably missing some stuff when you get home and you're pissed yeah. off because, you you know, they didn't put your barbecue sauce in there or not. But um, Sorry, Popeye's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I love Popeye's, but, yeah. you, know, I, you know, I'm going to pick Chick-fil-A over Popeye's. So, um, but in, in – by determining and, and really deciding that's who we want to be, it helps us answer the questions of what work we pursue. You know, DOT work. I, I love transportation work. I love the 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 um, the consistency, the standardization. Um, but it's a low bid world, and even though the DOTs may want to pick us because we deliver a good product on time and and in a in a good manner for them, they can't because they have to go with the low bid contractor mm-hmm. and. It just doesn't fit our DNA. Um, we want to do it right. Uh, we want to give impeccable service. We want to do what we say. Um, and so we're looking for a client that, that is supportive of that and, um, and is willing to pay a little, a bit, little bit of a premium to get that. And, um, and so just identifying that really helps us identify like what markets we're pursuing um, but then also the purpose, and th- this is something that's always been important to me, and I think is one of those things where, you know, uh, not Stephen Covey, but like a Jim Collins or, or, or Patrick Lencioni, you know, somebody, one of, the, one of those guys said this, but, you know, what is the purpose of the business? You know, you have to come up with a purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are you doing what you're doing? And, and I remember asking Dylan this a couple years ago, and I don't remember verbatim what he said, but it was pretty much an identical um, uh, you know, purpose of what I was, you know, the reason, you know, the purpose that I see in business and, and it's really about the people, you know, and, and officially, let's see if I don't botch it up here. Cause I, I do it all the time, but, um, the purpose of Rosso is to create it create the environment, uh, in which let's see, I don't mess it up here cause I'm on air. That's fine. Uh, but basically it's to create an environment where we can help cultivate the best version of our employees. And that's both professionally and personally. And, and that, that's it. I mean, that is the vision of Rosso is to become the best in this area, known for having the, the best and brightest people. Um, because of that, we think we're going to grow. We're going to continue to grow mm-hmm. because we're going to find more and more people like us that have a passion for personal growth and development, and they're going to want to come get on the bus too. I mean, they already are. We're, we've, we've grown significantly since my, I mean, 
you know, in, in a 130 person organization, we've added more than 30 people since I've been here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're, we're growing, um, and because more people want to, want to be a part of that. It's pretty cool. I mean, all people talk to me about Rosso when I'm in California. Yeah. Why the fuck do you care about a company in Tennessee? <laughs> like, how does that have to do yeah. with you? But it's, yeah. uh, it's amazing. People yeah. are, are bought into following that and they're, they're just drawn to that. Sure. Yeah. 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 That's, it's pretty cool. Um, and you've only, you've been there six months. So you got a lot of, a lot of runway in front of you. Yeah. What's, what's your, what's your title even? Vice president operations. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a fancy title. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. I think they didn't know what to put, where to stick me. Yeah. So I, I'm a little bit of everything, man. I got, you know, some HR, safety, um, project management. You know, I'm just all over the place. Sure. It's interesting, though. You came in at a good time in their trajectory because, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, with I'm, I'm in the same position. Building a company, you need different skill sets as yeah. you grow and change right. and scale. And you, you can only – ideally, you can look internally mm-hmm. when you're bigger – but when you're smaller, you have to go outside of your current organization because, yeah. okay, great. Your, your current organization's got you here, mm-hmm. but I want to go over here. I need someone that's kind sure. of been over there to even tell me where here is right. and yeah. direct everybody there and grow other people mm-hmm. to then go over there as well. Right. You need, but you need outside influence a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what Dylan, Dylan Saul realized that, yeah. you know, he needed, he needed some different perspective and. Well, we'll get Dylan on the podcast uh, by, I don't know, it's year 2022, yeah. by 2030, I'd say. And I'd give When's it the last years. time he's done it? Uh, podcast, Dirt Talk, number one. Wow. He was okay. the very first one. Yeah. And so every two months, I'm like, we should get you on the podcast. I'm like, yeah. I, you know. Here we are. Yeah. Those he guys, sent me you instead. I know. The B I know, team. I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, that's what he told me. I told him I, told him uh, I didn't want to be on it. You need to go do it. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's what they, so like at all of our, all of our events, I'm the one that speaks. Yeah. So I've just become the, the, the speaker, uh, which of course I talk a lot. Everybody picks on me about that, but, sure. uh, yeah, those guys are just, they're just super humble and they just want to be back in the shadows and they don't want to be in the spotlight. And, uh, but like you said, I mean, and I've told Dylan that, you know, our employees need to hear from you cause they, they value what you have to say. And I know you're, you're trying not to steal the attention, but you know, they, they care to hear what you have to say. So big, huge, big time. And that's, uh, I've recognized, like, I'm not a natural communicator. Mm-hmm. I'm not a natural leader. I'm not mm-hmm. naturally confident. I'm not naturally social. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really not. I don't, I could just live in my little yeah. cave, my little hole under my rock yeah. and be perfectly happy. Okay. But I've realized in the position I'm in to do what I want to do, yeah. I, I need to communicate effectively. Mm-hmm. I need to get the word out. I need yeah. to talk to people. I need to, to, to just be better overall. Sure. At, at leading yeah. and talking. So it's, yeah, it's super uncomfortable mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily enjoy it, mm-hmm. but that's the game yeah. I play. Yeah. And I feel like to get to where Rosso wants to go, it's like, Dylan, come on, you have good things to say. Yeah. Let's hear it. People yeah. want to hear it. Yeah. It's not, it, it's not a humility thing. Mm-hmm. It's really not. It's, it's, I feel like that's people, they fear coming off, like an arrogant ass. It's like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. I, I, I really don't think it's. Yeah. No, nobody would see him that way. Yeah. No, right. no, I, I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's like that at all, but you'll, you'll talk to him one-on-one. You're like, why don't you, why don't you, yeah. why don't you say, say something like, can you come on the podcast, please? Mm-hmm. What's a guy got to do? Throw me a bone here. Come on. <laughs> we'll see if we can get him here. Uh, good luck. I'll, I'll do my best. Good luck. Yeah. Um, 
so with Rosso to follow along, you guys are all over social media these days, mm -hmm. which is pretty exciting. Yeah. So that's probably the best place to see what you guys do day to day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I need to come out and see you guys. I haven't seen a, like a good Rosso job in a while. Okay. Or every time I'll I get go out, out to a Rosso yeah. job, it's just pig shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's been wet or yeah. 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 It's just bad. We'll get you. We'll get you out to one. But I told, um, I told Dylan back in the day, it still hasn't happened because obviously time, but I want to just like maybe turn my phone off and go to work for you guys for a week. Yeah. And even just as a laborer, I that would care. Be, that'd be great. Put me, put me yeah. in the ditch of the shovel. I'm sure, work. I'm sure Keith can find something for you to do. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to work with Keith. <laughs> I don't know if I'm, I'm, that's the big league. Yeah. So I'm not ready for that. Yeah. yeah. I would just be a disappointment. Yeah. That'd he, be great. Do it. I would never get a, I'm proud of you from Keith. Ah, uh, be surprised. He's, he's, like a guy like that is just classic construction mm -hmm. superintendent. Yeah. You know, he's just, he just gets after it. He, he does, but he's got a side that people, people don't just see often. And mm -hmm. I mean, he deeply cares for his people. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, like, and, and I don't, yeah. I don't know if they feel that, but like he does, like he, he's constantly looking out for them, standing up for them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes being the dad, you know, like, We've talked about promotions, and I just I don't think he or she's ready for that position yet, and I don't want to see them fail. Mm -hmm. I'm ready for them to be there, and I want them to be there, but I think this is what they need to work on before I'm willing to put them in that spot. Mm -hmm. And I know we need someone in that spot, but I would re I'm not going to do it at the detriment of my employee. And like I mean, he's he's he takes up for his people, and I love that. And love that's that <clears throat> well, that that's why his standards are so high because mm -hmm. he, he cares so much. Yep. that's all. All those guys, they're just great, great, great people. Yep. That, but that's an interesting point because we have learned this lesson. Just because someone is potential like there and could be promoted, you mm -hmm. could destroy yes a pretty solid individual. Yeah in that process. I've seen it happen time and time again. You can ruin that person and then you can also poison the well of of people they're leading mm -hmm. because people are smart and intuitive yep. and when they're being led by someone that isn't quite at that level, right. they're going to be like, well, "What the hell? Come yeah. on." I've seen it so many times. Yeah. And it just it 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 just infuriates me. And so I've I really enjoyed that about Keith. But it's happening a lot right now because people so they're desperate. They're desperate. Yeah. 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 So yeah, you, you'd be a foreman, mm -hmm. but they have no skills on how to be a foreman. Right. They're and great at running a hoe. Okay. That yeah. has nothing to do with being a foreman. Right. And then the next thing you know, their entire organization is full of operators that are foremen who don't know how to be foreman. Mm -hmm. And guess who that falls back on? Mm -hmm. That falls back on the superintendent or the project managers trying to do a job that they're, you know, we've, we've got people out there to do a job and they're not doing it. And so then one person's having to do two people's job. It just yes. it creates a culture of complacency, and it's not good. Yes, and that's where, on average, where the industry's at right now. Yeah, which makes it a problem for everybody. I agree because it, it's uh, these companies—they're so hyper competitive. Mm -hmm. And and I love Dylan, but he's very competitive. He's very yeah. And I I think that's good because it's I'm gonna go kick some ass. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel like the industry gets so fixated on competition that they forget that we're all on the same team. Right. And we're better off. It's not like there's this pie. Like, we don't have to fight for our... We can mm -hmm. all have pie together mm -hmm. if we say, let's come together and let's bake some more pies as a right. team. But we right. can only bake more pies as a team because we're not... It's not our competition. It's not other people with excavators mm -hmm. that are 
ruining things right now. It's mm -hmm. other industries. Yeah. It's people outside of our world. Right. And we all need to think like one. Right. If we're able to achieve anything significant in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's good. Competition's good because it, it drives you to, to improve and to, to mm -hmm. do better on the next bid and, and so on and so forth. But at the same time, I think that's one of the core problems of the industry is it's so competitive. Yeah. Everybody's so fixated on the next guy right. that they don't think, well, if he's better off, I'm actually better off the right. other day. Cause now we're yeah. not, you know, now it's some shitheads not driving all the prices down the market. Right. That I have to keep compete with together. We can change the industry. Yeah. Cause it's like Rosso, you guys can say, well, we're not, we're not about always low bid, mm -hmm. but at the same time, even if a con, you know, GC does care about quality, yeah. they're still looking at your number. Sure. <laughs> like sure. that's not a license yeah. to just put, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Right. Yeah, 30% over. Yeah. But but we're quality. Like, mm -hmm. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. So if you're still competing with guys driving everything down, no matter how good you are, right. it, everybody's screwed. Right. Race yeah. to the bottom. Yeah. So that's my soapbox. Yeah. All right. I you mean, feel better? Yeah, I feel All great. Right. Okay. That's why I have this podcast. Well, we'll figure out how to make it competitive for Dylan to come on the podcast. So what you need to do is you need to tell him, look, I really enjoyed talking to Matt a lot more than I ever enjoyed talking to you. Yes. And then, you know, maybe he'll step up his game. And Well, I know, I know an even better way. Okay. I'll just tell him like, Hey, so we're going to actually have uh civil on the podcast or Jones brothers on the podcast. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> he'd be here. Yeah. He'd be here in five minutes. He probably would. Yeah. yeah you're right. uh, hey, uh, so I, I heard the other, I heard the other guys are coming on and, uh, yeah. I, I spot had just opened. Spot yeah. just yeah. opened up. Yeah, <laughs> my golf, my golf just got canceled. Yeah, I'll come join. Yeah, uh, I'm just busting his balls. Yeah, uh, that's good. Uh, um, well, cool. I'm I'm super glad you were able to 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 come. I've been enjoying. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. So I I was really excited when when Dylan brought you on. Um, yeah. excited to see what you're able to do with Rosso. It's such a phenomenal foundation. I think you have a lot to to add. Yeah, on top of everything they've already built. Yeah, so great, great company, great people. It's, yeah. a, it's been a great fit. It's yeah, been a, it's been a good decision. It's it, they've been a total blessing to everything we've done at BuildWit, and there's no way we'd be here without them, yeah. even it's the awesome. slightest. So, yeah. I, like I said, there's a room out there. Yeah, name Rosso because yeah, don't save my ass. Yeah, <laughs> back it. in the day, I love it. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, Matt McQueen, Rosso, check out Rosso at uh, Rosso.com. Yeah, he has that pretty sweet URL yeah. on, on social media. Thanks, everybody. 